Good morning. Good morning. And happy Sabbath, and you all look amazing, and Coco is growling. She, she brings the love. How about it? That's right. <laughs> so we're starting a new chapter today, Lesson 10, Sherwood Bible Studies. We're eating up this book. We are almost done with it. Well, not almost. I think there's 18 total, so we're a little over half. Home stretch. So this this lesson, the Lake of Fire. Uh, what do you think of that title, the Lake of Fire? It's dramatic. Dramatic. <laughs> Definitely kind of like catches you a little bit, doesn't it? So when we get into the study, uh, I really like a couple things the author pulls out at the beginning. Uh, first paragraph, we've learned the Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. And because everyone has committed sin, then all will sleep the sleep of death. But remember, Jesus has promised he will awaken every one of them out of their sleep. Some will be raised back to life, the first resurrection, and the rest will be raised in the second resurrection at the end of the millennium. We've just spent a few weeks talking about that. So, he wants us to keep in our mind that Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I really like how he kind of put that in the very beginning because later on, um, if you read far enough ahead in the lesson, he kind of really makes a very interesting point about eternal life with that whole the idea of the lake of fire and all of that. So maybe we'll get to that today. And if we don't, there's always the next time. Check out paragraph four. Another important fact to remember is that in reality, God had not actually killed anyone. Everyone who has died, died of other causes. On occasion, like in the Great Flood, for example, God has seen fit to put some to sleep for a while, but in the end, he will awaken them in the resurrection. And then this last sentence I thought was really good. What happens after that depends on what kind of people they are and not something God does to them, as we will see later in this lesson. What do you think of that? Agree? Disagree? Add to it? Because a lot of people believe that God kills them. A lot of people believe that. So it kind of like Kind of goes or contradicts what a lot of people believe. I think. I think God. They put God at the wrong focal point. Hmm. God's there, but He's a couple steps back. He lets your decisions play out, and unfortunately, there's consequences to bad decisions. True. Yeah, very true. So we get into this idea of hell, which is what the lake of fire, the correlation between all of that is. So the bottom paragraph, he makes a connection with the last lesson. Um, Seth, you want to read that for us? Just the bottom paragraph on 124. In the last lesson, we saw that after the final judgment, the wicked are cast into the lake of fire and suffer the second death, often thought as hell. But hell, just as other topics we have studied, has also come to mean different things to different people. All right. What do you think of the hell meaning different things to different people? Muslims believe, 
uh, or in Islam, the religion of Muslim, hell is a vast, fiery crater that the souls of the dead cross on a narrow bridge. As they do, the wicked fall off the bridge into everlasting torment. Hinduism and Buddhism, a soul may descend into one of many hells as a result of wicked karma, which are really thoughts, words, or deeds, but they stay in hell is not eternal. It lasts only until the effects of the evil karma have been removed. I would want to go there. I want to go there. Okay. It's like uh, purgatory. There you go. Very similar connection to purgatory. Yeah. Yeah, purgatory is like, yeah, the same idea where they need to be burned or cleansed, and you can buy them, out. Buy them or speed up their purgatory process by giving money to the church or donating yeah. lands or something like that. It's very pagan. Very, very pagan. So, but in our case, being that we are Christians and many of the people we love and adore are also Christians, different, you know, different religions doesn't necessarily matter, denominations, but according to traditional Christianity, hell is a fiery place in the center of the earth reserved for the wicked, where they suffer unending anguish and pain. But in modern times, Christian theologians have questioned whether just a loving God would have created such a place as hell. I like that. I like that some people are actually questioning, like, is this really true? How could a loving God create something like that? What do you think of the last sentence there? According to some scholars, hell is not a place, but a symbol of the anguish caused by the loss of God or goodness. What do you think of that? I hear that a lot. actually believe that the worst part of you know living you know the bad decisions and such like that we create our own hell right and we in living through it is probably more torture than mm. anything we're going to face at this last moment mm. interesting so let's look at the original hebrew uh Loli, you want to read that for us we'll just try to get our like a starting focal point okay what the uh, second paragraph from the bottom. Okay. We begin by looking at the original biblical word. In the Old Testament Hebrew, hell is translated from the word shul, which means underworld, grave, or pit. In the Bible, shul will usually be translated as either hell, grave, or pit. Okay. Interesting there. Um, Mom, you want to take the next paragraph? We want to talk about the Greek? In the New Testament Greek, Hell is most often translated from the Greek word Hades, which means the Greek god of the lower regions, or the realm of the dead, the grave. Sometimes it is translated hell, and sometimes grave. It is important to remember that only 12 times is hell translated from the Greek word Gehenna. Gehenna was commonly known as the Valley of Hinnom, a place south of Jerusalem where trash and the bodies of executed criminals and dead animals were cast out and burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Histor historical day landfill, essentially. Yeah. Right? So this is pretty neat. The next paragraph kind of like, he kind of makes some cool connections for us. So when we see the word hell in the Old Testament, it's always referring to the grave. In the New Testament, it is always referring to the grave with two exceptions. This is really interesting. One exception, Jesus said 
uh, mentions Gehenna 12 times, referring to the trash dump. And the other exception is 2 Peter 2.4, where the word hell is translated from the Greek word Tartarus, which simply means deepest abyss. Mm-hmm. Not a fiery burning place. Interesting. And I wrote, a, I wrote context with a question mark, because I've actually not read that chapter or whatever to kind of see more about that. It's the first I've ever heard about that, Tartarus. Deepest abyss. So it's kind of interesting. But the next paragraph here is really, really gets interesting for me. The English word hell came from the old English word H-E-L-E. How would you pronounce that? Hele. Hele, maybe? Which originally meant to cover over or to hide. So it's evident that the word hell in all these languages originally means essentially the grave, cover a dead body. You know, but like we take that ancient word and the meanings of it change over time and so now we hear the word hell and we attach this meaning to it but it's not actually what originally meant originally a good example of this would be the word atone right so atone is the idea of you know trying to make payment or you know a repentance to try to like right the wrong that was done to get back in someone's good graces right so Husbands, we miss our anniversary. We might bring home extra flowers to atone the wrath of our wives. So sorry, atonement, right? But in all reality, the old English word where that came from was at one meant, which was two people are at odds and you bring them back together. You're going to go one them together. It's, it doesn't have anything to do with trying to win one side or the other. It's bringing back together. <laughs> it's good. Or Mark needs to atone later for throwing out Lola's age earlier. I, I need to buy her a flower shop. <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> what? It was good. So that was kind of interesting that he added that there. You know, we hear the word hell, and we think of burning fire, living souls, and burning fire. Well, you see, the pagans believe that you... You know, when you die, you go on to another existence. And really, God is such a wonderful God that when we die, we don't know anything. We don't know what goes on. So we're not tormented by watching something we can't affect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the idea of an eternal hell, thinking, well, they're buried below the earth, that, you know, I just, it's, being raised Adventist, it's very foreign thinking. Yeah, no subject of hell. Yeah, I think it's very sad the way that, often time, um, Satan twisted that belief so badly to make God look like this horrible, tyrannical being. You know, to actually plant those beliefs in people about this burning forever place. That's just awful. You know, I think that there's a God actually like that. When he's not, he's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Not, no. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's just very sad that, because there's a lot of people that do believe that, that it's an actual physical burning forever place, you know. 
And, and you know, um, to add to that, there's actually people who you tell them the difference that there is not that, and they get angry because yeah. they want that hell for those people that, that did wrong. Them. And and yeah. it's just like, well, how cruel. I right. mean, it's one thing till someone's dead, but to keep it going for eternity? Yeah. I just, yeah. you know. Brings the sadism in people. It does. Well, yeah. it, and it, 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 for me, the way I understand it, it connects to their law model, their view of God. So they, they view God's law or the way he functions like, you know, like a Caesar or a judge, right? So in other words, God's arbitrary, so he makes up these rules, and rule-breaking requires punishment. So if you're breaking the rules, and you're blah, 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 you're sinning, you're breaking the rules, well, because God works that way, you have to have a hell. Because otherwise, how do they get punished? Right? It has to work like that. So yeah, when you say, when you, when you, when you present to them the truth of what's going on, they get really upset because, well, then how do the, how do the rule-breakers or how do the sinners get punished? Mm-hmm. Like, they have to be punished. Well, because, and it's also because yeah. I've been so good. I've been so good. I've, I've excluded myself from these right. things. I've been good. Well, the bad deserve their, because, their reward. Because I, yeah. I have, you know what I mean? I've excluded yeah. myself from certain situations or whatever. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking how they would think, you know? And, yeah. But it's like that. So it warps. Good. Good stuff. <laughs> So when you look at the Bible translations, the author here makes a really good point. Um, sometimes in you know the word hell or Hades or grave are used kind of interchangeably between verses, and he kind of makes the connection with you know 1 Corinthians and Acts 2 out of the King James Version. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Right? And then in Acts, he uses the term hell, right? But both of them are referring to Hades because this is coming from the Greek. But then if you go to like a new King James Version, they just use the word Hades in both of those texts. First Corinthians and Acts, he uses Hades. Which makes sense. Right? But he makes up a really good point in the following paragraph that the new King Version uses Hades and they're just assuming that people know what that means. Right? And that can cause a little bit of issues if you don't actually know. And then you end up applying your own. Go ahead. Well, if you look it up in a dictionary, hell... Yeah, you're gonna get a different de- definition than if you looked up Hades. Yeah, and so I think it was actually kind of wise to put Hades because that was the original word put in that place. Sure. So that you, you know, the Bible is a big, huge puzzle. Yeah. It's meant to be read within context of itself. Right. And so, yeah, I, I, I applaud that. Yeah. So, being that the majority of people. Christians and non-Christians believe that hell is this place of eternal burning torment, living souls in fire. The author brings out we have three questions that we need to ask. When, where, and for how long? Right? So let's jump into that a little bit. So, Seth, if you wouldn't mind, take number one and just read uh, our question, read down a couple paragraphs there, and we'll just see what we get pulled out. Number Corinthians 1. Uh, you are... No, Uh, when will the wicked be cast into hell? After learning the truth that the dead are not in heaven or hell, but asleep in the grave, common logic gives us but one answer as to when they will meet their final destiny, and that is after their resurrection. When Jesus explained to the disciples the parable of the wheat and the tares, how do you pronounce that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He revealed 
when the wicked will be cast into the fire. I can read that. It's a good text. Matthew chapter 13, verses 37 through 40. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who has sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. Okay. Oh, well, it is as true that. True that. <coughs> but it's really neat how he kind of breaks that into like these little pieces and kind of like lays it out, right? And then, and so then we're adding Second Peter two nine. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment until the day of judgment. So the author brings this point out. He makes it clear the wicked are reserved held back right they're reserved in the grave for the day of judgment which means the moment you die you don't go there you're held back you're reserved right which makes sense when it, with the word graves and dark abyss and even Hades the god of the underworld right right so in essence no one is in hell right now so question two where is it? Where is hell? Mom, you want to take that paragraph in text? Where is hell? Some say hell is down yonder. But that idea did not come from the Bible. It came from the ancient Greeks, who believed that Hades was in the center of the earth. So where does the Bible say the lake of fire is? We go back to Revelation chapter 20, which gave us the answer. So we've talked a lot about this in the last... Um, last couple series of episodes we've done and studies here, but in essence, we can summarize it. Who can summarize it for us? Where the lake of fire is from our past discussions? It's going to be around the holy city when it sits on the earth. Exactly right. Bible makes it clear that everyone evil rises up, Satan's at the head to make war against the saints, the holy city, and fire comes out from the city. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So, according to this passage, so our question is, where is hell? The answer would be, on the earth, when fire comes out from God. And then point three, now that we know when, at the end of the world, and where, our third question is, how long will the fire burn? So, how long? How long does the fire burn? Revelation 20, verse 19 says, They went up on the breath of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You have the traditional view of hell. People can say, there you go. Mm -hmm. There you go. God killed them and they're burning forever and ever. I believe that's what that's referencing to is that their soul is then gone forever. The author kind of makes that point. Yeah, not, sure. not their body. Yeah, man. It's too bad they use the word tormented. That kind of throws a wrench in the whole thing. Using the word tormented. You know. That's what happens when it's translated multiple times throughout history. 
right. So, and this kind of goes back to the whole idea of like, you know, what's it say about God and how do we understand these things? Because the, you know, God is love. That's an absolute. If we don't understand something or we read something that makes God look like he's something other than love, well, that doesn't mean God's not love. That means how we're understanding it or perceiving it. We've got some work to do, you know? So I really like, check this out. In verse 9, there's actually a contradiction in these two verses between verse 9 and verse 10. Verse 9 says they will be devoured mm -hmm. by the fire. And verse 10 says they will be tormented day and night forever. Yeah, it's a total contradiction. They, they, they can't be both true. Then further on down, Jesus said, he once said that the wicked, instead of fire, they'll be cast out into outer darkness, Matthew twenty-two thirteen. Then at another time, he talks about the fires of Gehenna. So which one is it? Is it you're devoured, you're burning day and night forever and ever and ever, you're cast into outer darkness, you're cast into the landfill of Gehenna? Uh, Spill your I beans. think it's all of it. Yeah? I think it's all of it because you have different, different people, you know, giving these verses and their understanding of it is in such a way of, you know, they're, you know, we're limited in a lot of ways because we don't understand the things out of earth, yeah. mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so whether, you know, their understanding or whether it was a vision or whatever it was, their understanding is going to describe what they think it is. Mm -hmm. And well, think about it, like a fire. That's like a, and I'm not sure if it's actually, but that's like an oxymoron. It's a lake. How is it fire? You know what I mean? It, and it's, you know, and it's described that way. Is it magma? Is it magma? Like lava from a volcano? Like, is that a lake of fire? Yeah. Is it, is it, you know, there, there's just so many different ways to look at that. Because, you know, if you, you know, the one where it said, um, what was it? Well, anyways, the one description basically said, that it was, you know, darkness. Let's say it was darkness yeah. because God is light. He's the fire. He comes and, you know what I mean? Good point. So, I mean, there, there's just so many, so many ways to look at that. I'm saying it's, it's such a puzzle itself. Yeah. What would it look like if, you know, when we say the word fire, we think of, of flames, burning hot. Yeah, flames. things that burn combustion, like com Correct. consume combustible We have our material. vision of fire. Right. What if, what would it look like if, you know, the, the writers, like, how do I want to say this? If it's not actually fire like we know, that it's actually just the brightness of God's glory. You know, sometimes they describe... God's glory as fire. They call it fire. Maybe it's just the brightness of it, the glory of it, the brightness of it. They didn't know how to explain it, so just used the word fire because that's what it kind of looks like. Mm -hmm. So so I'm just wondering if it's not actually a, uh, a lake of fire, like burning sulfur fire, like when, he, when Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. It's just simply his glory exuding out of the city hmm. that destroys them and because wicked can't see the light. That would actually make sense because the dark abyss would then be the lake 
face him down, then I put some like a dark place. Then it might not be literal. I just mean like if you know if they meant something else by lake. Yeah, no, it's, it's like you have to like describe what's the word lake mean. You know, I mean, we're taking it literal. So you'd have to get caught in the weeds for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not taking it literal though. Uh-huh. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just making a connection mm. as far as what a dark abyss is like. Sea of people? I mean, people often compare water like space as far as like how you float around. It's that, you know, it's just mm-hmm. another similarity. Or a group of people like waters, which is also biblical. 100%. Yeah, waters is symbolic of people. Mm-hmm. The last paragraph on this page. 129, he, and he, he just talks about, you know, the Bible teaches that man is mortal, saying that the soul who sins shall die. That's in Ezekiel 18. So check out this next point. I think this is really, really good. Remember, gift of God is eternal life, but the wages of sin is death, Romans 6. But check out what he says here. If the wicked people live in the flames of hell forever, that would be eternal, eternal life. life. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Not very pleasant. But eternal life just the same. The Bible says that the tree of life is in heaven, not in hell. It is clear that the soul who sins shall die. And then it can only mean that they will perish. It will not burn forever. That is a very interesting point. Because I think if you were to ask that to someone who really believes in this eternal burning hell, you're talking about like what's the gift of God? They'll all say eternal life. Right? But I think you can kind of like, okay, so the wages of sin is eternal life also right be interested to see what they would kind of say to that you might have a good you might have a good discussion on your hands um so that's interesting so that's actually a very good point Mm -hmm. i never heard that before Mm -hmm. that would be eternal life also Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what would that say about god and depending on your law lens, people would say, well, that means he's a just God. People are getting what they deserve. It's very sad. Right? So, the, what about the expression of the Bible? Eternal fire, unquenchable fire, forever. How do we make sense of that? Because the Bible clearly says those things, right? What does that mean? Uh, he kind of lists a few times here in the New Testament and Old Testament, letting the Bible define itself, which is always a good principle, in my opinion. So, eternal fire, Jude chapter 7, Sodom and Gomorrah, talking about the city that was completely burned up, in like manner, having given themselves over to sexual morality, gone after strange flesh, are all crazy. They were set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Good point. Sodom and Gomorrah is not still burning today. But nothing lives there either. But nothing <laughs> lives there either. It is forever gone. Yeah. Eternally gone. That's right. Eternal fire, it burned it all up. Turning in Second Peter 2, 6, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, condemn them to destruction, making them an example of those who afterward would live ungodly. Very interesting. You're all gone. What about unquenchable fire in Jeremiah 17, 27? Lola, you want to read that one for us? Sure. Scary. But if you will not heed me to hallow the Sabbath day, such as not carrying a burden when entering the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, 
Then I will kindle a fire in its gates, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. This prophecy came true in 586 BC when King Nebuchadnezzar came and completely destroyed the city of Jerusalem, including the temple. How about that? And there's actually biblical evidence to that. Nebuchadnezzar shows up from Babylon. He set the whole place on fire. He burned it down. So, unquenchable fire. Is Jerusalem burning today? No. You can go there, get on a plane, go to Jerusalem. Walk around. Check it all out. But here's the fun part that I really like about it. God said the fire shall not be quenched. Meaning, can man quench the fire burning in Canada right now? They cannot quench the fire in Canada. It is unquenchable land right now. And they have said, well, we're just going to let it do its thing and protect as much as we can because we can't put it out. That's what happens when you have a big country with only 33 million people. Right? So the fires in Canada, in my opinion, are unquenchable. It doesn't mean eventually they're going to burn out, right? Mm -hmm. Right now. But right now, they're unquenchable. Well, we'll go back to Jerusalem. Okay. Are they not? Is that not a point of heavy contention? Right. Right. They're still at war. They're still fighting. They're still, you know, two ideas, Islam and Judaism, right there in that city. Yeah. That flame still exists. Right. Like metaphorically? Speaking? Metaphorically, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So then we look into forever. Right, this concept of forever. So, First Samuel one twenty two, Hannah basically gives her, tells her husband, "I'm gonna, you know, give my son as a priest before the Lord, and he will remain there forever." And he gets into some cool Hebrew here for us, which is kind of <coughs> interesting. I'm horrible at pronouncing Hebrew. Um, Hebrew word Hannah used translated forever is olam which can mean a long duration, everlasting, perpetual, or a long time. Right, so they just basically makes this point in the Old Testament that forever just means, well, you and I both do. How's work today? Oh, it dragged on forever. Mm -hmm. Sorry I'm late. It took forever to get here, right? So it's just using that idea for a period of time, for for a length of time. It's perpetual. It's consistent, right? But that would mean everlasting is different than eternal. Say more about that. Well, everlasting is something that's just a long time, right? And eternal would be beyond time. I, I hear the word everlasting a lot in the Bible. Yeah, sure. As mercies are but from everlasting. As well as eternal. Yeah. I think people get those confused a lot. I, I think it's more of like, I yeah, know. you're going to die, but the effects of that is everlasting. Mm. You're, you're not coming back. And it's that part of the computer program has been discarded. And, you know, it's that, that I 
think that's where the everlasting aspect, like when Satan goes and is finally no more, there will be never another night with Satan. And so it's that kind of thing where the effects of you choosing one thing or another here on earth is also an everlasting thing. Right. You know, if it's not necessarily if you repent, but if you don't repent, it's in it's on the record. The author here says something kind of interesting when he's talking about this concept. He uses like Paul in First Corinthians, like he'll never eat meat again if it causes another person to stumble. Um, <clears throat> you know, contextually, he brings this point out saying, what, like more than 50 times in the Bible speaks of things lasting forever that have already ended, such as Samuel's service or King Solomon's reign. Right? So 50 times in the Bible it says this will last forever. Well, it's not. It's already it's done. So he makes this point that's saying, um, forever could be until it's done. Right. Yeah. Or until it ends. So, for example, you will be king forever, so... You will be king for your lifetime. There you go. Yeah. And that would be forever. Yes, for you. Until you're so done. That's kind of like person. physics. And like if you're in space and you're, you get pushed off of something, you're continually going in that direction at that same rate until something stops you. Forever. Until you, right. until you stop. Interesting. So the Bible, there are more than a hundred texts that state that the wicked do not burn forever, but will be destroyed or annihilated. But we got to remember that many of us are programmed, right? I like how I put quotes around that, okay. to believe in eternal torment. So we will need to look at these passages very thoughtfully. Um, and then he just gives us a few examples of this as we kind of move down through, which maybe we'll read a couple of them and then we'll kind of wrap it up for today because we're about out of time. But um, I don't know. Just uh, Seth, why don't you pick one and read it? Because he lists uh, a few here. Verse? Yeah. Yeah, he lists a few here. It's on page 133. Yeah, 132 and 133, yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to do Psalms then. Sure. Psalms 37, verses 9 through 10. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth for yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. Mm -hmm. Verse 20. But the wicked shall perish, 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 and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish in, into the smoke. They shall vanish away. So they're bad. They're perishing and vanishing. They're going away. Gone. Um, Lola, do you have one, maybe, that jumps out at you? When the wicked spring up like grass, and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. This means they're gone forever. Hmm. What do you think of John three sixteen? Everybody loves this text, but how it even connects to this idea of the lake of fire. Mom, you want to do that? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it's not perish, not burn in hell forever. 
nugget, I thought. It's cool yeah, that's the, to pull that out of there. Yeah. Yeah, this is like one of those ones where I'm just confused again. Because shouldn't it say eternal life? Eternal life? Where? Which verse were you at? For John 3.16. Yeah? Instead of everlasting life. Yeah, those words are interchangeable. They are. They're yeah. Thing. It's final. I don't know. I, I definitely get a different... So then grab another version. Because that's a key a key point to like Bible study. Like This is all New King James Version. This whole Bible yeah. study. Right? But to get in a group of well-meaning, God-fearing, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they, they labored intently as a team to, to create this translation, right? And so did the New Living Translation. And so did the King James. And so did the Good News and all this stuff, right? So if you read a word and, you're, and you read a version and you're struggling with it, then grab another version. Read that. I grab another that, version. And that, then yeah. bring three or four or five of them together. And then you come away with a much more balanced... They, they, there is a version that says eternal life, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. All right. Because there's a bunch I of different think, ones out there. I yeah. think that they are interchangeable. Like, I agree. And I think yeah. the person who translated that, like the original translation or whatever, they, they, I guess they thought the same thing. But I know those two words are different. Yeah, Satan would love for people to just get stuck on a word, mm-hmm. stuck on a translation, and, like, stuck there. Because if you're stuck there ruminating on that, you know, you're missing the forest for the trees. You can like back up. What's this bigger issue? And the bigger issue God is saying in this verse, the bigger text is saying, if you trust God, you're not going to perish. You're going to put whatever word you want in everlasting, eternal, forever, till kingdom come, trumpet sound, whatever could be perpetual. It's like a circle. It never ends. However you want to describe it. Right. Well, the verse that kind of goes along with John 3.16 is the next one, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Jesus yep. Christ, so it's kind of like the same thing, but there he uses the word eternal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super good. Thanks. And I guess we'll to wrap it up here at the bottom paragraph. This would be a good place for us to stop for today. The wages, right? The wages of sin is death. The wages, meaning the reward or the consequence of sin, is death. Death is the cessation of life. It cannot be eternal life in hell. Or any other place, the cessation of life. And depending on how you view God, if you view God as more penal, legal, arbitrary versus creator, designer, healer, Lola, I really like, I still go back to this idea two chemicals that don't work together, the consequence is what that is. Or, you are arbitrarily like you know like he pointed out at the beginning of the lesson god is actually killing you right i just want to say something because i just i just thought of it cool okay because you know it talked about in the beginning when we started that we're all gonna sleep you know we're all gonna have death and there's gonna be two times when you'll be awakened one when you're going with Christ or once when you're not okay so to as a human we are built to live in certain conditions yeah. and when those conditions are met we can't live we're dead exactly. right yeah. 
So to have an eternal death, okay, we would have to be risen again, killed, risen again, killed, risen again, killed. That would be eternally, eternity for a human. Mm. Remember, think about a human. Mm. We live and we die. And the, and the only reason we would wake up again is if Christ woke us up again, right? Mm -hmm. So think about that and how cruel that would be mm. because we would have to be, in our form, awakened again and again and killed again. And he's saying there's two times you live. You know what I mean? Obviously we're born, yeah. but then you, yeah. you die. And, you know, his resurrection and the second resurrection. And the, what it, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. resurrection for the wicked. So I don't know. It makes mm. sense to me that that is not that because of that. Yeah. Hmm. That's a big. That's a big concept. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Though. I always do this to you. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, like, but but eternal death. Once he comes back and we're judged, then that means it'll be eternal. It means that we're not coming back from it. No right. Else. Right. And and I think we understand that. I think here but for people who believe that there's an eternal death it's it would be that mm -hmm. you know what i mean because how would you live through it yeah we we are not designed to live through that we are not immortal people right yeah it's like it's it's really sad because it's a it's a picture of god that god does a magic trick to make it so you can't die. Like he arbitrarily does a magic trick so you can't die and be tormented the rest of your right. life. Right, right. How awful. I think God is that way. It's just awful. Well, people have, unfortunately, a lot of humanity believe that. Mm -hmm. But what's cool, but what's cool, and I want to throw this in here just because I think it's really important, that there are living souls that live in a lake of fire. There are living people that live in a lake of fire. Who are they? Explain it. The people in God's presence. The people in God's presence. Mm. I think it's, is it Ezekiel or Isaiah? I have to look it up to find it, but, but it actually describes it. Who can stand in the presence? Who can walk among the fiery stones? Who can dwell in the presence of our consuming God of fire? And then the next verse it says, those who walk righteously before the Lord, those who are honest, those who have integrity, I'm paraphrasing off the top of my head, those who live like Jesus, the righteous saved, are alive, living in this lake of fire. That's why I, that's why my brain says it's not fire like we know it, right. but glory, mm -hmm. just yeah. brilliant glory. Yeah. And so that's Satan's deception. He, you know, he has corrupted people's minds in Christianity to where they preach the one place you don't want to go mm -hmm. is to live in eternal burning fire, which happens to be the very presence of God. Which is where you want to go. <laughs> but that's how Satan has corrupted and yes. twisted the whole thing and saying we need to avoid the place of eternal burning fire and living there. Yeah. That's hell. He is a lake of fire. God is a consuming fire. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Right? Yeah. Amazing things that have, you know, turned on in my head through the study. Yeah. You know? yeah. Absolutely. It is. You can do a tone for that one too, Mark. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Cool. We'll pick it up from there. Uh, when we come back, not next week, but in two weeks, we'll come back and, and uh, we'll pick it up from there. So let's pray. Father, we praise you that 
You are light. You are truth. You are love. We praise you that the truth is that the place you want to be is in your presence. We praise you that the only thing that you consume is sin and selfishness. You want to heal us of that. And I just ask that, and, and well, firstly, I just thank you that you're helping us just learn and grow and and just and just understand more and more about you. But help us not to just like leave it with ourselves. Give us that ability to share it with others. You know, bring it to our minds and someone ask a question and um, that we can just take this information and advance your kingdom so that you can come quickly. Thank you so much for the Sabbath. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen.